All right, what's up, Liquid Church? How you doing? My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Before we jump in, will you join me in welcoming our campuses watching throughout the state of New Jersey? We're so excited you guys are here with us. And this has been an incredible series called Fast 40 Days to Breakthrough, where we have been seeking God, and He has been meeting us. Amen? In fact, I've got good news for you guys. This is a special day. You know what day it is? It's day number 21 of the fast. You are over the hump, people! You did it! And let me tell you, it has been an incredible time just, you know, experiencing the power of God. I know that for many of us, this is hard, right? This is the point where you're like, man, I really, really want a Big Mac right now, right? But, but you know, if you press in and you seek God, I, I guarantee His power is there and He wants to fill you and give you what you need to keep going. We got a taste of that power. In fact, last week, how many of you guys were here last week when it was incredible? We had an old school prayer meeting break out at all of our campuses, right? Check this picture up here. This is a couple of our campuses right here. People are getting in groups of three or four, and they're praying down the house. The power of heaven invading earth. It was an incredible time to experience God meeting us. And by the way, I want to just kind of give you a small plug. If God has been speaking to you, if you're experiencing God, we would love to hear your stories. If you go to fastatliquidchurch.com, send us an email. We'd love to hear your story. I was actually reading through some of them this past week, and man, they were incredible, and really inspired my faith and get me pumped up, because today we're going to be talking about the power to heal. The power to heal. Who's excited about seeing the power of God to heal? Amen? Amen. You know, this week I had the privilege of uh, reading many of your, your fast contracts, and I was reading and I was praying for them, and praying with you that God would meet you in some of these places. And I was just really humbled by reading what some of the things that you're going after God for. Uh, this person said that they're praying for breakthrough in depression. This person has a brain tumor and they're praying for breakthrough for healing. And this person's looking for breakthrough for diabetes. And as I was reading these, I noticed that many of them are all about health breakthroughs. We want to see God heal our bodies. And we're trying to see him to kind of connect with, with him in that way. And you know, what's so incredible about that is one of the names of God is healer. Did you know that? In the Old Testament, he goes by the name Jehovah Rapha, which means the God who heals. It's part of his character. It's part of his identity. It's how he presents himself to his people. And in the New Testament, he also has a name. He's the great physician. Amen? And I want to tell you something, folks, that today the divine doctor is in. The same Jesus that healed yesterday is the same one that heals today and that will heal forevermore. That's the God that we worship. That's the God who we're pursuing, and we're going to go after him today to experience the healing of God. Amen? Amen. So let's jump in. Let's jump in. If you have a group guide, go ahead and turn to page 28. In it is printed the story of Mark chapter 9. We'll be looking at verses 14 to 29. And this is an incredible story of Jesus worked with the power to heal. Now, before we jump in, I want to give you a little bit of background on what's happening before this story. See, Jesus is with three of his closest disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, and they're hanging out. They actually go up to this mountain where they can uh, have a spiritual retreat. It's what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. The Renaissance painter Raphael created this painting with the same name, and in it you see Jesus, who reveals himself to his disciples in his heavenly form. This is what he's going to look like with his glory when he's in heaven. He's hanging out with the two greatest Hebrew prophets, Moses and Elijah, and the disciples that are up there, they're like blown away. They're like, Jesus, this is so good. Like, we should stay here. Like, I can build a house. I can build a Chick-fil-A, right? So we'll be able to eat, right? Clearly they weren't there on Sunday. 
And so they were really excited about being in the mountain because they had a glimpse of heaven. But then Jesus says, no, guys, we've got to go back down. The mission's not complete. And on the way down, they get a glimpse of hell. When they come to a boy who's possessed by an evil spirit. And this is where we pick up our story. It says this, a man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So I want you to, here's the picture. You have this dad who is desperate to see his son healed. He's gone to all the doctors, he's gone through all, he's exhausted all of his resources, and now he's like, Jesus, I have nothing else to do, I have nowhere else to go. You are my only hope for my son's healing. And you know, as I've looked at many of your emails and read many of your contracts, many of you, that's the place you're in. You're like, our only hope right now is in Jesus. You're coming to him just like that dad is with desperation. In fact, this week I got an email from a woman who said this, this when she's talking about what she's fasting for her breakthrough. She said, my husband was diagnosed with metastatic liver cancer last Friday. And this was back in February. And it has devastated our family. We've been married for two years, and I'm six months pregnant with our first child. We were planning for our future family, and now we're just praying that my husband lives through this cancer. She's praying for physical breakthrough here. And many of you, this is the place to read. How many of you right now, you're praying for a health breakthrough right now? You've got a, a diagnosis that's depressing, and you're like, Jesus, we need you to show up. We, we need you to show up. Because, listen, sometimes when the world gives us no hope, Jesus says, your hope is in me. Sometimes when the doctor says, I don't have any medicine for you, Jesus says, I'm the medicine that you need. When no one else can give us answers, Jesus says that I am the answer. And he gives us a glimpse of what this looks like in this passage. Now, I want to kind of break this passage down first, but I want to look at this idea of being possessed by a spirit. I know for some of us, this is kind of like, this is weird, right? This is a weird Bible verse. We're talking about a guy getting possessed by a spirit, and that's the reason why he, all these symptoms are showing up. But what, why don't we actually take a look at some of these symptoms? Like, what are these symptoms, right? He's been robbed of speech, so he's nonverbal. Then, not only that, the spirit throws him to the ground, so he's, you know, he has no control over his body. He foams at the mouth, his, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid. Now, when you look at all of these symptoms, you know, I'm sure many of us, you know, we don't have to be a doctor. We kind of look at those things, and I'm like, well, what could that be, right? If, if you had a multiple choice test where A, is it a sprained ankle? B, epilepsy, or C, demon possession, what would we all say? We would write B, epilepsy, right? I mean, come on, Jesus, this, this all looks like, you know, this is, what, this is a classic seizure. Foaming at the mouth, gnashing your teeth, becoming rigid. You know, Jesus, clearly, you didn't go to medical school. Maybe you should stick to preaching. That's kind of what you do, right? Now, before we kind of start, you know, throwing shade at Jesus or the biblical writers because we're like, oh, they just weren't as sophisticated as we are, you know, in the 21st century. You got to remember that in the first century, they knew the difference between an actual illness and a demon possession. They knew the difference between someone who was having a spiritual affliction and someone who was having a problem with their body or, or some sort of mental kind of issue. And in fact, we see a hint of this in Matthew 4, 24, where it says this, whatever their sickness or disease, if they were what? Demon-possessed or what? Epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. So clearly, they understood the distinction between someone who had epilepsy and someone who had something that was a spiritual uh, oppression that caused the symptoms of epilepsy. They knew that. They can see that. But what they said was, the same solution is there. It's Jesus. Prayer in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter if it's for healing of epilepsy or casting out an evil spirit. 
that was the solution to the problem. See, I think part of it is when we read the Bible or we read these stories, we kind of bring our 21st century assumptions, right? Our, our kind of modern way of looking at the Bible. And the problem is if we grew up in the Western world, if we've grown up in American education, we've actually been educated into unbelief. We've been educated into unbelief. We, we've grown up in a culture that literally minimizes the supernatural or anything spiritual. Even Christ followers, right? Even Christians, right? We read some of these passages and maybe we just skim them or we kind of go over them or, you know, maybe we just say, oh, that's a literary device, it's a metaphor. But we don't actually think, does this stuff still happen today? Like, does God still do those kind of things? And I, don't, I think we need to actually maybe open up our mind to the possibility that maybe the world is bigger than we think. Now, what I'm not saying is that we need to be kind of, you know, we just need to believe everything that everyone says, just kind of go with everything. I think doubt and skepticism are very important in the development of our faith. I think as mature human beings and mature Christ followers, we have to have an, a decent dose of doubt and skepticism. But the problem is when healthy doubt and skepticism turns into cynicism. When it turns into cynicism, we have hardened unbelief. And what that does, it restricts the flow of God's power into our life, and it restricts the flow of his blessing into our lives. And that's kind of where the problem is. In fact, I got to experience this in my own life, just kind of having all of this kind of, you know, revealed to me recently on a trip to Nicaragua. Um, a couple weeks ago, I took a team of about 12 liquidites. We all went out to Nicaragua, a team of us, to, to drill clean water wells. It's what's our signature cause there for liquid. And so we went to this very poor village. There's our team right there, phenomenal people. And uh, we went to this village, and we're drilling this well. And uh, as we're there, one of the things that we realized right off the bat, because, you know, we're thinking we're going to go there, we're going to give them clean water, we're going to help them because we're awesome Americans, and that's just what we do. One of the things that we learned more than anything else is that these people had more to teach us about faith. Because when these people prayed, they actually believed God would actually answer their prayers and do what he, what he says he'd do in his word, heal people. In fact, I remember we were um, all sitting there listening to stories of the women of the village. And there's one woman, her name is Susaniella. She's telling us her story. And Susaniella was telling us when she was a small child, she was actually walking home from school, and uh, it started to rain. A, you know, a thunderstorm kind of broke out. And so she hid under a tree to kind of get away from the water to let the storm pass. And a lightning bolt hit the tree and hit her, and she ended up, she stopped breathing, and her heart stopped beating. When her family finally found her, they, they picked her up, and they were getting ready for her funeral. But the church there said, no way, we are going to pray that God heals her and restores her. And the church started praying. They were praying for her every single moment. They actually had people go to her, and they were praying over her. They laid hands on her, and then something miraculous happened. Her heart started beating. She started breathing again. Now, as I was hearing this story, you know, being the pastor, I'm like, does that stuff still happen? Like, did, did I hear that right? Like, what is happening here? And, and so, like, this is going through my mind. As she's telling the story, she goes on and says, when they took her to the hospital to get her checked out, she had massive amounts of brain damage. And so her family was just preparing that this is, is how life's going to be. And as they're getting ready for that, the church said, no, we are going to pray that God heals her. We're going to pray in Jesus' name for her deliverance, that she'd be healed, that she'd be restored. And so the church prayed day and night for this little girl until eventually the brain damage was gone. Jesus healed her. In fact, when you see her in this picture, she's actually studying to become an accountant at university. That's incredible. We were like, praise God, that's amazing. But, but I was more like, but God, that's, 
Does that really happen? Like, did I miss something in the story? You know, I was being really skeptical. And then I felt like I got this insight, which was this. You know, I grew up in America, in the West, where we have a bias towards scientific rationalism, and it's a bias against the supernatural. And, you know, there's a sneaky thing that happens whenever you leave the culture to serve Jesus. You know, the sneaky thing is you think you're going there to help other people, but really Jesus is bringing you there because you need help. And that's what happened. Jesus was saying, Nathan, I need to stretch your faith. I need you to step into the truth and this reality that maybe you don't know everything. Maybe everything isn't the way you think. I need you to keep an open mind and an open heart. Because in America, we have wealth, we have privilege, but in Nicaragua, they have the faith that moves mountains. That's the kind of faith I want, amen? Absolutely. That's the faith that God wants to raise up in us and his people. You know, the people in Nicaragua, they understood that in order to see physical change, you have to go after the spiritual. There's a connection between the spiritual and the physical. So I want to leave you this question. Do your physical symptoms have a spiritual source? Do your physical symptoms have a spiritual source? Those of you who are fasting for breakthrough in some sort of health area, could there be a spiritual source to some of your symptoms? Now, I'm not saying that every cough or cold, there's a demon behind it. But what if there's a spiritual dimension that we have to engage in before we see victory in this area? And because we haven't engaged the spiritual realm, we still kind of go through the same rut in the physical. Because I think that's the rut the disciples hit. They had prayed for this boy and nothing happened, but they didn't understand the connection between the spiritual and the physical. They, they just thought it was all here. And so when this desperate dad of this little boy comes and says, says to Jesus this, I came to your disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they couldn't do it. And I love how Jesus responds to this dad. He, he, he kind of looks at this dad, he looks at all the disciples, and he says this, you unbelieving generation, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. I love in the midst of this, where he, Jesus confronts the unbelief of his disciples and all those people there, he just says, bring the boy to me. Guys, when we're in this place where we're looking for breakthrough, whether it's a health breakthrough, a mental breakthrough, an emotional breakthrough, whatever breakthrough you're looking for, you know what Jesus says to you? He says, come to me. Your breakthrough is when you come to me. I'm going to do the heavy lifting. Your job is to come to me. And, you know, we look at this statement that Jesus makes, it seems kind of harsh. Like, Jesus, you know, this seems kind of rough. But, you know, you ever have a conversation with someone, maybe it's a family member, someone you're close to, and, you know, they don't understand the power of God or the potential of faith, and so you're trying to kind of help them, and you're trying to, you know, get them to kind of step out of their comfort zone, but they're just like, I can't do it, I can't do it, and you just get mad at them, right? You start yelling at them. But it comes from this place of deep concern. You're just trying to break them out of it. And so Jesus, he sees his disciples, they're stuck in unbelief, and he's trying to shake them out of it. And so what does he do? As the great physician, he steps in and he takes control of the situation. He says this in verse 20. He says, after they brought the boy to him, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or, or water to kill him. But Jesus... If you could do anything, can you take pity on us? Can you help us, Jesus? If you can do anything, Jesus. Do you hear the desperation in this dad's voice? 
he was out of control. He was helpless. He couldn't do anything to help his little boy. Remember, you know, when we were in Nicaragua, I felt this way about my own son who, you know, I got a text from my wife when he just landed there saying, you know, I had to take Wesley to the ER. He's having a hard time breathing. I remember feeling just so helpless and like, oh my gosh, like, what can I do? I don't know what to do. Jesus, you got to help my little boy. And eventually he was fine. But I know that sense of desperation. If you're a parent, you know what it's like when your kid's not feeling good and there's nothing you can do to change it. So this dad is going to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you can, if you can do anything, Jesus, even, even help him like by 1% or 10%, Jesus, anything you can do, Jesus, would help. He's in this place of just complete desperation and helplessness, almost like he, he's giving up. But then I want you to look at the confidence that Jesus the healer has. Jesus says this in the next verse. He says, if you can, <laughs> said Jesus. In fact, why don't we say this together all across our campuses. Ready? One big loud voice. Everything is possible for the one who what? Believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Jesus steps in with great confidence because Jesus has never met a disease that he hasn't defeated. Amen? Amen. When he confronted a man with blindness, the blindness left. When he confronted the man that was deaf, the deafness left. When he found a man who was paralyzed, the paralysis left, and he stood up and took his mat and walked. When Jesus met a man that was leprous or had dropsy, he was the one who encountered them and healed them. Because that's who he is. Because Jesus was connected to the healing power of God, amen. He was connected to that power, and it flowed in him and through him. In fact, there's this, this, this quick little story of Jesus. He's, he's on a walk. He's going someplace. And this woman who's got this issue of blood is like, I, I just need to touch Jesus. If I touch him, I know I'm going to get better. And so she kind of muscles her way through the crowd. It was like a mosh pit, right? Like at a, at a, and she finally gets to Jesus, and she touches him. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops what he's doing. He says this, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. He is our healer. You guys realize that, you know, I don't have the power to heal. Pastor Tim, he doesn't have the power to heal you. Your campus leadership, none of them have the power to heal you as well. You know, our prayer team, they don't have the power to heal. You know who has the power to heal? Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the one who moves in the power of God and lives out the compassion of God and the love of God through the power of healing. But if we want to release the power of healing in our lives, if we want to release the power of healing in the lives of our loved ones, we have to confront and confess our unbelief. Amen? And look at this dad. Because in that moment where Jesus kind of leans into him, he steps up. Here's what he says. He says this, Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. And church, why don't we say this next part together? Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, Jesus. Help me overcome my unbelief. For some of you, that's your prayer today, right? Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus, I want to believe you say you can do what you do. I want to believe that you are good and that you have good plans for me. I want to believe that you're at work in this situation, but I don't see it, Jesus. Before you can heal my boy, can you heal my eyes? Can you heal my heart? Help me to see from the perspective of heaven, not the perspective of earth. And this man, with his tiny, broken faith, he just gives it to Jesus. And you see, you know the things I love about Jesus? Jesus actually meets him where he's at. Because it doesn't require perfect faith to release the healing power of God. Otherwise, no one would get healed. We take whatever faith we have. I believe, overcome my unbelief. 
and we give it to Jesus. And look how Jesus takes control here in verse 25. It says this, When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. So Jesus, right off the bat, he takes control of the situation. He steps into his authority. He says, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples sat with him and asked him privately, ah, Jesus, why, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we cast it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out by what? Prayer and fasting prayer and fasting. There it is, church. You know, for the past 21 days, we have been engaging in prayer and fasting. Pastor Tim has been saying it's like a double-barrel shotgun aimed at the gates of hell, blasting out the doors. That's the power of prayer and fasting. Prayer by itself is powerful, but when you couple it with fasting, it's dynamite, and it breaks down strongholds. And that is what God is calling us to do, and has been calling us to do. You have been praying and fasting— for the past 21 days. 5,000 people have been doing that. What do you think God's going to do when he sees 5,000 people humbling themselves and making space for God to move? I think we can expect God to do something great. Amen? Amen. Amen. With all of us praying and fasting, seeking God's face, we posture ourselves to receive from him. I believe God wants to do something fresh and new in our midst today. Do you guys believe that, church? Do you believe that God wants to work a miracle here today? Do you believe that he wants to release his healing power both on us and let that overflow into Parsippany and the rest of New Jersey? I believe that, church. And I believe it because we see it. We are seeing, uh, we are seeing signs of this all around our churches, all throughout our campuses. In fact, um, one of the examples is actually someone who's from our campus, and her name is Katie. Katie is actually, she serves on our Morris County worship team, and, you know, she's just an everyday, ordinary Christ follower who God has moved in extraordinary ways, especially through the power of prayer and fasting. Why don't we go ahead and take a listen to her story of how God met her today. Let's watch.
before Katie started fasting, she was on 120 different pills and supplements a day. But through the power of prayer and fasting, she's now on zero. Amen? Let's give God a praise for that. And thank Katie for her story. The power of prayer and fasting, there's just something about fasting where we're able to empty ourselves out of all the things that we've grown attached and accustomed to. And then we pray and we're depending on Christ, we're depending on Jesus for our life and our livelihood and our lifestyle. There's a power that's released in that. Because when we look at the disciples in this story, why couldn't they cast out the Spirit? And then Jesus steps in and then Jesus casts it out. And a lot of times as Christians, we're like, well, that's Jesus. Right? Jesus can do it. He's got an advantage. You know, the God thing. But here's the thing, guys. Jesus was 100% God. He's 100% man. And on earth, he lived in the fullness of his humanity, and he had to rely on the Holy Spirit just like us. Jesus had to get plugged in to the Father. That's where his power came from. And not only do we know that Jesus had a vibrant prayer life, we also know that Jesus was probably fasting. And in that fasting was the power as he released himself from the dependence, the attachments, or the temptations of the things in this world, and he fully relied on the power and the goodness and the compassion of God. It says that he was able to do what the Father was doing because he could see it. In the same way, guys, we are attached to this world, right? We are plugged in to the culture and to television, to social media, kind of the way the world works. What fasting does is we pull the plug on all of that. We unplug from the power of the world. And then with prayer, what we do is we actually plug back in to the power of God. We plug back in to his power. Because Jesus said this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. But when we are able to unplug and then plug in to God through prayer, that's when we see the power of God released. When we connect to prayer to God in that way, we're directly tapping into the power of Jesus. And when we start to live out of that lifestyle of just kind of living out of the power of Christ, living fully dependent on Him, trusting Him to lead and to guide us, it's incredible the things that He can do, that He lets us be a part of. You know, one of the things that we were there to do in Nicaragua was to bring clean water. And so we are there, and we are drilling this well. And we are there, and it's like, it's hot, it's in the 90 degrees, but like, you know, we're working in mud, and we're covered in mud, and in dirt, and in dust, and all this stuff. And as all that's happening, you know, we're, we're, we're drilling, we're hoping to hit water soon, any day now, any day now. And finally, we hit water. And we're excited, we're like, yes, we got water, we came when we did, we accomplished our mission, this is awesome. And that's when we found out the rough news, that our well had collapsed. And we were just like, no! Like, we, we had come there, and we wanted to bring help, and if we thought we were discouraged, you know, the village was devastated. Their source and hope for clean water was gone. And you know what? Those villagers, those, those people of faith, they said, you know what? We're going to pray. And so we went over to the well, we found some motor oil, and we anointed the well with motor oil, and we started praying. And, and we started praying, but we didn't do those like, you know, Jesus, if you can, can you please? No, no, we were declaring that God was going to move. We, we prayed in the name of Jesus. We prayed, in the name of Jesus, we declare that this well will have clean water. In the name of Jesus, we declare that this well will provide prosperity and education and life for the people and the kids in this village. We declare that this clean water well will lead people to the living water in Jesus Christ. We prayed that prayer, and then we left, we came back the next day. We prayed and we worked. We prayed and we worked. That was kind of the, the pattern of the routine. And then eventually, 
breakthrough. God showed up. And here we've got some video of clean water. And this is the first time this village had clean water that they could uh, use to cook with, to clean with. They could actually play with the water. In fact, there's a great picture of this woman who's going to come in a little bit right here. She's, she's washing her hands in clean water for the first time from her community. And we just rejoiced. I mean, how could you not be excited knowing that we could be a part of this? There was dancing and rejoicing because we could be part of this. And you know, for us on our trip, this really built our faith up. This grew our faith. Because we came away with this, you know, if this God who is alive today can come to Nicaragua and heal a broken well, you know what he else he can do? He can heal a broken body in New Jersey, amen? He can heal a broken mind in New Jersey, amen? He can heal broken emotions, amen? Because everything is possible to the one who believes. Everything is possible. When we take that step of faith to say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you can heal. Now, one of the things that's fascinating is if you study the healings of Jesus throughout the New Testament, they all look different. Like, Jesus is very creative in how he heals people. One guy, you know, he, uh, he just touches his eyes and he sees again. One guy, he spits in his eyes and he sees again. I'd rather have the touch rather than the spit, you know. Well, he's making mud and putting it on other guys. He says this, I'm spe- you know, he speaks the command of life and it happens. But, you know, there's all these different ways that God heals. And so in a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward to receive God's healing. But before that we could do that, we need to remember that we need to come with expectation with no agenda. Because he has a multiple ways that he's going to heal us. We don't get to pick the ways, but we need to take that step of faith and obedience and come forward. For instance, there's the divine touch, right? This is the one that we all think of when we go for prayer and, and someone prays over us, all of a sudden the disease is gone, it, it's, it's left us. You know, when we were in Nicaragua, we had a woman on our team, and uh, she has really bad asthma, and she had a really awful asthma attack because of all the dust and the allergens. She prayed in the name of Jesus that, her, you know, that she would pr- breathe normally and regularly, and the asthma attack went away. That's an example of a divine touch. God still does that today, and there's people here who have experienced the divine touch of God. But God also heals through doctors and medicine. God has given man the ability to understand the things about the body and chemicals and compounds and all these things, but this is a way that God uses to heal people. In fact, there was a woman at one of our campuses, she was having some really bad migraines, she was having very bad back pain, and she was going up every week to the prayer team asking for prayer, asking for the divine touch. She wanted God to divinely touch her and heal her, but she was also praying for the right doctor. She's like, I need to find wisdom that I would find the right doctor who could finally catch this and, and give us the right diagnosis. And so as she was praying for this, the way God decided to heal her was he sent her to a new doctor, got a new diagnosis, a new medication, and the pain in her head was gone and the pain in her body was gone. You see, here at Liquid, we don't believe that you need to throw out your medication to prove that you have faith. We believe that God and medicine work together. God uses all of those things to bring healing into our lives. Another way that God brings healing is through an extended time of worship and prayer. See, what worship is, it's kind of like we're uh, cleansing the palate from the world, right? Like, think about this. You came from all these crazy week, you know, whatever happened during your crazy week, you come here, the worship band plays, and it's like a cleansing of the palate. You start to get a taste for what heaven is like, right? And it feels good. You're like, mm, this is what I want. When we have an extended time of just diving into that, it marinades our soul, it marinades our heart. And you know what happens? It flows into our bodies as well. And God brings deep, deep healing through the power of worship, through the power of prayer. In fact, we're going to host a special worship night this Wednesday night. I'm excited to tell you about this. It's going to be, doors are going to open at 7 p.m. It's going to be here at our broadcast campus, and that's what we're going to do. We are going to worship, and we're going to pray for healing. Come, because I guarantee you God is going to do something crazy 
and you don't want to miss it. It's going to be amazing to see how God is going to move when his people set aside time to worship and pray. Another way that God heals is through support groups, through uh, having, having people that, you know, once you experience healing, having people come alongside you, friends that can help you keep moving, keep living out your healing. When you experience a healing or a deliverance, whatever it may be, you need people in your life that can help you keep pushing through that. And so after Easter, we're going to have a variety of support groups available for things like divorce care, things like your finances, uh, addictions, pornography, whatever it is that you're finding victory of during this fast, you can keep walking in that victory with the help of your friends, with the help of people around you. You can go to liquidchurch.com to get more information about that, or you can see your group's coordinator at your campus. They'd love to help you get more information on how you can find freedom. But here's the deal, guys. Here's the big idea. Jesus has the power to heal. Jesus has the power to heal. Amen? It doesn't matter how he heals, but he is the one that does the healing. And in a moment, we are going to see him release that power of healing today. You guys ready for that? Are you ready to see the power of God released in our midst? Because I believe it's going to happen. It's happening. In fact, right now, I want to invite our prayer team to come forward at all of our campuses. At all of our campuses, if you're part of the prayer team, if you could go ahead and come forward and find your spot, uh, wherever it needs to be, in a moment, your campus leaders are going to invite you to come forward for prayer. And for some of you, it's a breakthrough for your bodies. You need physical breakthrough. You need breakthrough in your health. For some of you, it's mental. For some of you, it's emotional. But we want to create some space right now in this service where you can pursue the power and the authority and the healing of God. Because he has it for you today. I love that song, The Atmosphere is Changing Now, because I'm sensing the Spirit's doing that right now. So here's what's going to happen. I want to prepare us. In James chapter 5, verse 14, what we're going to do comes right out of Scripture. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to what? Pray. So prayer is a, our first thing that we do. It's not a last resort. To pray over them and what? Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. See, after we take that step of faith to ask for prayer, because sometimes that's the hardest step, right? Because there's pride. Pride's like this wall that we have to bust through. But when you come forward for prayer, one of the things that we do here at Liquid is we anoint people with oil. Oil is actually a symbol. In the ancient world, oil is what physicians would use. They'd put it on wounds. It was kind of like an antiseptic. And in the scripture, oil is actually a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is one who works the power of God and brings healing. And so what we do is we anoint people with oil as a way to say, we want the Spirit of God to cover you. We want the Spirit of God to marinate in your heart and your soul and your very bones. In a moment, we're going to ask you to, to come forward. Your campus leaders are. And when you come forward and you're going to meet with someone on our prayer team, they're going to ask you a question. They're going to ask you what your name is because we want to make it personal. Then they're going to ask you if there's any unconfessed sin in your life. Is there something that's holding you back from this healing? Remember, there's this connection between the spiritual and the physical. I remember one time I was praying for a man up front who had some back pain. And he said, Nathan, I've got this back pain. I can barely stand up. Can you pray for my back? And I'm praying for his back, and I get this word, unforgiveness, that comes into my mind. And I said, is there someone that you need to forgive? He said, well, my spouse had an affair, and I haven't quite forgiven her for that yet. I said, we need to pray through that first. And after he prayed this prayer and he was able to forgive his spouse and release her fully, something incredible happened. The back pain went away. Our souls and our bodies 
are pretty intricately connected. So they'll ask, is there any sin you need to confess? And then they're going to ask you, where does it hurt? Where, where are you feeling the pain? And you don't need to give them like an entire medical list. You can simply say, it's depression. It's, uh, you know, it's chronic fatigue. It's, 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 it's my head. It's, it's these migraines. Whatever it is, Jesus knows the details. And then they're going to anoint you with oil in the form of a cross, because all healing comes from the cross. It's through Christ's death and resurrection. By his wounds, we have healing. And then they're going to pray. And here's what you can expect. Jesus is going to touch you. You're going to feel the love of God come over you. He's going to speak to you. And he's going to communicate in his own way to you his love for you. And you get to receive that. His healing love, because it transforms us from a deep, deep place. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And then your campus leader is going to come up and give you instructions on, on what to do next. But I know it's kind of, you know, the idea that we need to, you know, stand up and come forward in front of all these people for prayer, it's kind of overwhelming. But, you know, there's something when we step out of our comfort zone, that's when God shows up. You know, I love what uh, a Clint, our worship director, said a couple weeks ago. It's only when we step out of our comfort zone that Jesus can be our comforter. And for some of you today, you need to step out of your comfort zone so you can experience the power of God. So here's what I want to do across all of our campuses. We all just stand up right now. So I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray that the Spirit of God comes in His fullness and in His power. And then I'm going to invite you to come forward for your prayer, or your campus leaders are going to invite you to come forward for prayer. Let me pray right now. Spirit of God, you are here right now. Would you manifest yourself in power? Would you manifest yourself in love right now? Holy Spirit, I just right now come against the spirit of pride right now that keeps us self-sufficient when you're calling us to be dependent on you. Father, we have been preparing our hearts. We have been fasting. We have been praying. We have been unplugging from the power of the world. We have been plugging into you. And so now, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now and do what only you can do. Would you transform our hearts? Would you heal our bodies? Would you heal our minds? Would you heal our, our emotions? Would you heal us? Because Jesus, you're the healer. You're the one that gives us the power to heal. And Father, as we're about to step into, for some of us, a very uncomfortable place, a very vulnerable place, would you give us the strength for each and every step. We need you, Jesus. We rely on you. We hold on to you. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name we pray. Amen. So right now, our service is over. So you can come forward for prayer. I want to encourage you, today is the day for many of you, that God wants to restore your bodies, your minds, your souls. Come. Don't be afraid. When you step out of your comfort zone, that's when Jesus, the great comforter, will meet you. And if you're in your seats, as you're kind of watching people start to come, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for the people that are up here. I want you to pray that God meets them. I want you to pray that God brings healing and deliverance, that they would experience God's power and God's love. So as you're coming forward, there are going to be folks that are going to direct you to where you can receive prayer. But just come. Come.